So often, the greatest things keeping us from living the life God has for us is us. Hi, this is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. When we see how God has set us free as individuals in the church, we are unleashed in a rich, powerful, and full life with Him. We are all given a choice. Continue to pursue a life playing it safe or live a life unleashed. In this series, we'll take a look at the lives that had the same choice, safe or unleashed, faith or fear. What did they choose? What will you choose? We hope you enjoy. So with that music, I'm ready to unleash my dancing skills. (laughs) My goodness. Can you hear me okay? I just can't hear anymore. No. So welcome. Kind of a different Sunday, isn't it? It's not every day that we have, you know, 100 plus Bibles up here. But here's the reality. Uh, If you're new to us, uh, today is Mission Sunday. We have that uh, once a year. And we like to let you know a little bit about our partnership uh, with some amazing organizations. Uh, You know, I think about what is seen in God's Word when Jesus is asked the question, what is the greatest commandment? You know that? Matthew chapter 22. And Jesus is like, oh, no, I'm stumped. I'll get back to you on that. No. Jesus says to love the Lord your God with what? With all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And then he goes, and by the way, I have a little bit more information for you. Love your neighbor as yourself. So right now, are we bad? Thank you. How am I now? Oh, yeah. See, I I knew something was different. I know I was getting old. But um, so for those of you online, hopefully uh, you'll catch up here. But uh, this is Mission Sunday. And we are looking at uh, Matthew chapter 22 when Jesus is asked the question, um, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So we say here at West Valley Christian Church, our job is what? It's to love God and to love others. That's what, that's what it's all about. So I hope that as your pastor, that you're loving God, that you're growing in your, your knowledge of who God is. And then with that, here's the tough part. I hope you're loving others. Because sometimes if you're like me, it's hard to love people. Well, at least certain ones, right? So now you put it in the context of Mission Sunday. Uh, we as the church, that's our job. On the west end of the valley here, we have, did you know within a five-mile radius of this campus is 250,000 people? You're like, yeah, I drove on Topanga yesterday. Of course I know there's that many people. You know, we have all these people leaving uh, California, but we certainly have them coming in, right? So our job... Our job is to let people know about this amazing God, right? That's what he has asked us. Because Matthew chapter 28 is what we know as the great commandment. It's not the great suggestion. It's the great commandment where Jesus says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, go and make disciples or go and make Christians of all nations. And so this loving God, loving people is for everybody. Amen? Well, here's the reality. West Valley Christian Church can't be everywhere all the time. And so one of the things that's important to us is missions. Big time. Missions is important. So one of the things that some of you may not know is every week when we take up our offering, 
automatically for many, many years of our history, probably close to 40 years of our history, we tithe 10% of whatever's given. And that goes towards missions. But lately, we've added two times a percent. So now 12% of all offerings goes to missions. And you say, well, where, does, where, where is that? Well, we have 14 partnerships that we have all over the world. And so we look at missions locally, domestically, and internationally. So we have a missions wall that's up there all the time, and you can see how we partner. So today, we have some of those um, partnerships represented today, and I hopefully, I'll, I'll hit all of them here real quickly. And then, you know, if we got time, I'll get to the sermon. And then you guys could have dinner, because that's how long this is going to, no. But the first thing is Pioneer Bible Translators. And, and you heard 68 feet worth of table and, and completed and in process and, and really beginning stages and out there still needs to be. But here's what's really amazing. We had a young girl um, grow up in our church and graduate from our high school that she went to the same Bible college as me. She became a missionary out in Russia. And she met a guy by the name of Zhenya. And they got married. It's Amy and Zhenya Sved. And as a church, I don't know if you know, I mean, we have fully invested in them for 20 plus years. One of the completed Bibles is Amy and Genya. It's actually Genya is the one that was the translator, but you know, behind every great man is a better woman, right? And um, so isn't that awesome? Right there at the very corner is the uh, Crimean Bible. And you were a part of that. Amen. By the way, we still sponsor support them. Be praying for them because you can imagine what's going on in the Ukraine. And that's where all this was done. And um, just please be praying for the Sveds. Uh, then you have Andrews Christ Christian Camp. Raise your hand if you've ever gone to Andrews Christ Christian Camp. All right. A lot more of you guys have gone. Uh, they have... Uh, we, we send kids up there for kids camps, uh, junior high camps, high school camps, college camps, father-son, mother-daughter, even, yes, quilting camp. Yes. When are they going to have baseball camp? Specifically Dodgers, but we won't go there. All right? But here's the reality. Andrews Christ Christian Camp is an amazing camp. It's an hour and 15 minutes from here. Amazing people. Uh, so they're out there. Uh, the Shahs that live up there on the mountain. And then Dave uh, Krauss, who's uh, the executive of that. Go meet them. Amazing ministry. Then we've got Hope of the Valley. And those of you that know, Lori and Ken Kraft uh, attend our church and our members. And uh, Ken, I think, was the one that started Hope of the Valley. And it has blown up. It's a ministry for homeless. And uh, it's a nonprofit for organists. Uh, for organists. That's, there you go. For Woo, for the homeless. But you can imagine during the pandemic, you know, with all the government money coming in for homeless and, and they would set up these villages and these tiny homes and all that, they didn't know how to run them. So they turned to Hope of the Valley. And Hope of the Valley has just got so many projects. Uh, some of the things, if you go out to their table, you're going to see uh, this uh, pamphlet. I'd encourage you to check it out. But lately, um, recently, they just purchased um, uh, the MacArthur Park Hotel they also purchased a hotel in um, Lancaster. And then right here in our neighborhood, right across the street from Taft High School, um, they purchased Woodland Hills Hotel. And, I mean, these are just some of the projects. But, you know, homelessness is, is, is just 
crazy, and it's getting crazier. And so um, that's one of the, the organizations that we, we partner with. Amen? So go say hi to Ken and Lori Kraft. And then Kenya. You know, uh, Greg, uh, Pastor Greg and I went to Kenya about four or five years ago. We went to the slums of Nairobi. It, I, I'm still, I'm going to be honest, I'm still messed up from it. You know, I've been all over the world, been all kinds of places, but this one really really got me. And uh, eventually, uh, we as a church, with the funds, we bought some land in Nairobi, not for us, but for uh, a church. And they built a little building on it. And that church is thriving. And so if you want to learn a little bit more about Kenya and a future trip that's coming up, uh, we're going to send a team out there. Then you can see Stacy, a member of our church that has gone on one of those trips. Does that make sense? And I think I'm missing one last one. Open arms. They had the Walk for Life yesterday, and we've been with them forever. Yes. And let me just be clear on this. Uh, this is an organization that if you have a friend that is, has an unexpected pregnancy, and they're really debating whether they keep the life or uh, abortion, uh, this, this ministry, and it is a ministry, comes alongside the, the man and the woman. You know, a lot of them come alongside the woman, but we know it takes two to tango, and there needs to be minister that happens to the man, too. And they don't guilt you. They don't shame you. They just come alongside you and love you. And so um, Open Arms Ministry is a great uh, organization we partner with, and you could talk to Diana, who also is a member of our church, but also works there. All right? So why, why, why do you partner? Because we can't do all those things. And we shouldn't. But these organizations, they're good at what they do. And so we want to resource them because resources is the greatest stress that we as pastors have as a, as a, as a, as a leader and all these nonprofits. And so please go encourage them, pray for them, and su- support them. That would be wonderful. Amen? So... Now we're going to get on to what I'm going to call the devotion. We're going to have a different uh, approach at this uh, sermon time. We are actually coming out of a series that we closed off last week, but I want to bring it up again because it's made such an impact in people's lives. It was called Unpack, and we talked about the visual of, uh, of a backpack, and we saw that big luggage, and I said, Jesus, God has called us to live life like this, but most of us have this big suitcase with all sorts of baggage, and we looked at what we need to unpack, right? How we need to unpack worry and anxiety and hopelessness and burdens. And those are the topics. And so if that's you and you missed it, I'd say go back and watch them. Or if you have friends that are wrestling with some heavy topics, we want to encourage you to live life a little bit lighter. Amen. So today we start Unleashed. And Unleashed 2.0, because that's our theme for the year, and I did uh, Unleashed originally in January. And I want to read to you a verse. If you have your Bibles, open it. Uh, We're going to take a look at a verse that I started off with. It's found in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorting its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary, and lose heart. 
You know, the reason why we're talking about this topic of unleashed and the reason why it's the theme for the, the, the whole entire year is so many of us are chained up. So many of us are imprisoned by different things that are kind of, that are restricting us from really living the life that Jesus wants us to live. Can you relate to that? You see, John, in John chapter 10, 10, Jesus says this. He says, I came, or the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Did you catch that? I came that they may have life and have it to the full. So I want to ask you, are you living life to the full? Are you living the life that Jesus died for you to have? And I would say some are and some aren't. Some of us are still living imprisoned lives. We're living with the chains wrapped around our wrists that's preventing us from doing the things that we do, whether we're young or old. And and I want to give us hope. I want to come alongside of you. No matter what you've done in life, no matter what you are doing in life, I want to tell you that it's not going to keep you captive if you let Jesus set you free. There is hope in Christ Jesus, no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are. We want to live that life. We don't want the thief to come still, kill, and destroy. Amen? So then we've got this cloud of witnesses. Who are these cloud of witnesses that we talked about? Well, if you read in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith. Do you see the topic? Do you see the consistency? By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. And then he goes on and says, by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as what? Righteous. What was it? By faith or was it by fear? Because that's a question I'll be asking all month long. Are you choosing faith or are you choosing fear? Then you continue to read on in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8. And by faith Abraham, when called by, uh, to go to a place he would later receive by his inheritance, obeyed and he what? And he went. I mean, these are some big hitters. And we talked about it in the first week. Uh, or the first month of the year. We talked about Abraham. We talked about Moses. We talked about Noah. We talked about these big hitters that a lot of people know about. And they're in what we call the hall of faith. The hall of faith. But the list continues. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, 31. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about, and look at these names. I don't have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and the list goes on. So picture me in a hotel room. You know I do this twice a year, stack of books and a Bible, and I say in November, God, what do you want me to preach on January through June? And then I just kind of outline different series, and then usually around March. So March, um, I'm out there uh, at the beach in Ventura, in my hotel room, and I find this verse that I just read. And can I be really honest with you? I'm like, who is Barack? Am I the only one? Oh, see, you guys are all much smarter, right? But me, you know, I got a master's in this stuff, and I'm like, 
who's Barack? I'm going to preach on this guy. And so this, this devotion, this sermon is really about this guy. And we're just going to scratch the surface. But here's what I want to tell you. Read Judges 4 and a little bit. And I'll go ahead and read all of Judges 5. And you're going to learn more about his story. But I want to introduce you to this guy, Barack. If you're taking notes, write down this. Number one, backstory. I want to give you the backstory. Judges chapter one or chapter four, verse one. Judges chapter four, verse one. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Hello. Is that like not a consistent theme in the Old Testament? You're like, again? Like, how many times did these guys do evil in the, the name of the Lord? How many times were they disobedient? How many times? And then can I just tell you, I'm laughing in my office going, it's no different in 2022 with your life, Rob Denton. Am I the only one? Like, isn't that true? It's like we read this and you're like, gosh, how did those Israelites continually know what was right to do and then they don't do the right thing? And I'm like, well, I'm the same way. So here you got the Israelites, and they're doing evil in the sight of the Lord. So in verse 2, it says, So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned. Now, I want you to remember his name. That's pretty big. The Israelites, you know, they've been disobedient. They're in the land of, of Canaan, and, and they've got this king that's not being so nice to him named Jabin. And then you got Sesera. Sesera. I want you to remember that because uh, this person's name is very important. This person is, if you continue to read on, the commander of the army in Canaan. You got all that? I'm going to quiz you. Then you go to verse 3. Because he had 900 chariots. How many? 900 chariots. That's a lot fitted with iron and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. 20 years this king and his commander have been oppressing God's people. And what's their response to this oppression? The Bible says what? They cried. Wah, wah, wah. Probably a lot worse than that. Because literally they were being oppressed. And it was painful. And we don't want to make fun of that. The truth is... Life was really hard for them. Now, side note, and you guys hear me say this all the time, and, and don't think of me as a cruel individual, please. But the truth is, you know, I, what percentage? I don't know. I like to usually say 90, 95% of all suffering has nothing to do with God. We want to blame him for 100% of it, but, but the majority of suffering has to do with our bad choices or we're in cl close proximity of those that have made bad choices. They threw the grenade, but you just happen to be close enough to where it affects your life. Does that make sense? But, you know, for the Israelites, it was no different. You know, you feel bad. Yeah, they're in pain. But the truth is they brought it upon themselves. Yes? I don't see too many smiles on that. But I, I just think that's so true. I think it's so true. Well, things aren't good for the Israelites, right? 
And um, it's not God's fault. It's been 20 years of bad. You continue reading on in Judges chapter 4. We're introduced to our final, well, not our final, next to our final person. Now, Deborah. You're smiling. You like Deborah. There's a reason to like Deborah. Now, Deborah, a prophet. This is significant. Women in the Old Testament didn't hold high leadership roles. You have 12 judges, and she is the only woman. Deborah, wise and holy woman. She's the only female judge, the only one to be called a prophet, a beautiful woman, outside and inside. And her story is a beautiful example of how God uses ordinary people. Who's ordinary? Well, let me just tell you, and I hope you're encouraged by this, you are, and I am. And all the missionaries that I told you about earlier, they're ordinary people. We're all ordinary people, but God is in the business of using ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Amen? But if we choose fear, we're not going to be able to see what those extraordinary things are. If we choose faith, watch out and see what God wants to do. So in review, we've learned that the Israelites are captive. God's people are captive. Jabin is king of Canaan. Sierra is, is the commander of the army. And Deborah is judge. So the scene is set. Now we're missing one person. Pastor, who's this Barak guy? Glad you asked. Judges, chapter 4, verse 6. She went. Who's she? Who's she? Deborah. Deborah went for who? Barak. And she found Barak. And, and she said, Barak, the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, go take with you 10,000 men. I want you to get your army together. Yeah, I know we're outnumbered, the 900 chariots. I know we're outnumbered by the army in, in Canaan. But I want you to go. I want you to be the one to bring your 10,000 people, and we're going to go to Mount Tabar, and I will lead you. I will lead you to Sesra, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops. And we're going to go to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. See, Deborah's sending a message to Barak on behalf of God saying, You're the man. You're the commander. You're going to put the 10,000 together. And yes, if their odds in Vegas are totally against you. But God said, and that should be key, God says, you got this. You're the guy. So Barak, who is he? He's a mighty Hebrew warrior. His name means lightning. Woo! So if you're Mr. Lightning, of course you're going to go, all right, Deborah, I got this. Right? Of course you're going to do that. Big warrior. You got this woman Talking to you on behalf of God, tough guy. So, of course, let's read how that plays out. Judges 4.8, Barak said to her, I'm your guy. Get out of my way. I got this. No, he says, if you go with me, I'll, I'll go. But if you, don't, if you don't go with me, I ain't going. I don't think I'm too far off. 
Do you? The mighty warrior. Man's up. No. If you go with me, I'll go, Deborah. You don't. I'm out of here. Like, I'm reading this this week and going, oh, my gosh. I, I knew of the story, but I didn't know it was Barack. I forgot about that. Like, you are an embarrassment, my friend. To all men, hand me your man card. But we could laugh at that. And ladies, you could say amen. We're a bunch of wusses anyways. I don't hear one woman say amen to that. Let me try that again. Men are a bunch of pansies at times. All right. I, I'm a man and I'm saying that. I mean, like, like the truth is we could joke about that stuff. But fear is real. And that isn't funny. And men are afraid. And women are afraid. And history tells us that. Um, there's just something about the I can't that likes to be played in our head. The I should have, or I won't, or he's better, or she's better. That paralyzes us. And we find ourselves in a prison of hearing what God wants us to do, but we're comfortable in the fear of what we don't want to do. I'm embarrassed uh, anytime I share stories like this, but the truth is the older I get, the more I don't care because it's just, it's just real. Now, if I stay there, that's the problem, right? So you guys, uh, a lot of you know my story in this particular area, but this brought back a very visual memory for me. So how I got introduced to Pioneer Bible Translator and then how we ended up you know, becoming uh, a partnership is by a guy by the name of Ron Carter. Ron Carter went on to be with the Lord about a little over a year ago, I think. Ron Carter happened to be, um, I think he and Pastor Kirby were best friends. And um, lots of stories there. And Ron, when he retired from the local church ministry, um, he said, Rob, it's not retirement, it's rewirement. And so I, I, a lot of our guys, 60, 70 years old, are doing this in the ministry, which is great. They're not getting an RV and traveling the world, which if you want to do that, that's fine. But he started working for Pioneer Bible Translators. And so Ron would come out here. We'd hang out, go to Dodger games and stuff. And then we, we learned about this and, and partnered. Well, Ron was very significant. And I want to tell you what happened. So... Ron would come out here every once in a while, visit Glenn, and we'd go out. And this particular visit, Ron says, I want to go to dinner with you, just you and I. And I'm like, all right. And so we went to a little Italian restaurant off of um, Valley Circle and um, Roscoe. And I can remember it like yesterday. I can remember the table. I can remember what we were eating. We're sitting there. And he just says, you know, we need to have a heart-to-heart -heart talk. And I'm like, okay. He goes, Rob, Glenn has been asking you for five years to take over as a lead pastor. And I'm like, Yeah. I said, every day it seemed like he'd stand in my doorway of my office and say, Rob, it's time for you to take over as lead pastor. And I'm embarrassed to tell you, but I, I gave very unspiritual, unkind words to him most of the time. That can't be repeated, you know? I'd be like, you're crazy, basically, you know? And I'd say, no, no, no. I never knew quite why I was saying no, but I was saying no. You know why? Because I was paralyzed in my comfort I didn't want to step outside. 
I didn't want to be lead pastor. Does that make sense? So Ron called me on that. And Ron said, and please forgive me, but this is his words. No, I won't use it. Um, Blank or get off the pot. And he said, Rob, your indecision is hurting the church. Either you say yes to the lead pastor or you move on so they can find one. That's this guy. And I share that because isn't it ironic that I'm preaching on fear of faith today? And I'm grateful that he called me out in love. And I'm grateful that I didn't stay in the prison of fear. And so God could use an ordinary guy to do some extraordinary things, not because I'm extraordinary, but he's extraordinary. Faith or fear for your life right now? What is God calling you to do? And are you stuck in the paralysis of the fear of what God is wanting you to do? And sometimes fear and faith, I want to make sure you understand this, sometimes faith means going, and sometimes faith means staying. Right? So with that, here's Barak, and we understand his response He says um, in Judges chapter 4, verse 9, or Deborah says in response to him, certainly I will go with you. She probably had some other thoughts in her head, but she says, certainly I'll go with you. But because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Sesra into the hands of a woman. Oh, he, ooh, but she was right. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. Now, here's your job. You're going to read the rest of the story. But I'm going to tell you, God won. The numbers were not, a, not for Deborah and Barak, but the Israelites won because God was on their side. And I want to tell you, a little cliffhanger, something to, to whet your appetite. The reason you want to keep reading is Sesera. You're going to see what happens to this commander, this, 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 this big guy with the 900 chariots. I'm just going to give you a hint. If you're ever invited into a tent and a woman offers you warm milk, don't accept. <laughs> because the result was he did not wake up in the morning. He, woke, he, he stayed that way with a stake through his head. Yeah. Don't mess with the woman. Fear or faith? That's a good transition to bring my friend up here, um, Jeff Jackson from Pioneer Bible Translator. Let's give him a big hand. And as Jeff is making his way, um, Jeff uh, is from Pennsylvania. He's worked with Pioneer as the director of development for around 11 years. And Jeff has become a good friend over the last four years, just an amazing heart. I said, Jeff, um, do you want to tell me about your family? And I'm going to quote him. He said, I have three kids, I have four grandkids, and I have one wife. He says, don't mess up the numbers. <laughs> oh, we're going we're gonna to go back and forth here. Yep, yep. 
So, Jeff, uh, you know, we talked earlier in the week, and I told you a little bit about what I was going to share, and, and you've told me a little bit about your story. Um, but I want to get specific with, like, how this fear over faith affects you and the, the ministry that you're a part of. And I think people are going to really appreciate what you have to say. Um, well, uh, first, uh, thank you for uh, your long partnership with us and for inviting me. Um, I had I told Rob this, but, you know, a few years ago, our organization, we, we've been doing translation work for quite a while. And in the Bible translation world, you know, we were saying, hey, we know how many languages are left, and maybe we'll get this done by a certain date, until uh, somebody pointed out that, hey, you guys, none of you are talking about sign languages. And the truth is there are between 300, 400 different sign languages in the world. And um, out of those, only one has a translation of the Bible in their language, and that's American Sign Language. It was just done, finished a couple years ago. So four or five years ago, our president of Pioneer Bible Translator, Greg Pruitt, he decided he needed to start praying to God and find out, hey, <clears throat> are, we, are we supposed to help with sign language translation, or are we supposed to do it? I mean, we, we, we've never, that's a whole different thing for us. And so the fear was, you know, which way do we go? Are we going to commit the whole organization and go all in? And uh, so he was praying, and he really got this strong sense from God and ended up, literally ended up on his face in his office hearing God say, yes, you guys need to go all in. In fact, Greg just really sensed that God was very angry about how the church had marginalized the deaf culture around the world. And so, you know, the, the fear, the faith part for organizationally was, how are we going to do sign languages? Well, we had to hire people that know sign language, people that are deaf. And so, um, for me, when that be realization began to sink in, you know, it's like, I, I help with training, some of the training we do with new staff, and some of them are deaf now. And we have teammates. I, I live in Pennsylvania. We're based in Dallas, but I go down there frequently, and we have, I have teammates now that work with us that are deaf. How am I going to communicate with them? They're not suddenly going to start hearing. <laughs> and so the only option is I, I have to learn ASL. And so I'm trying to learn ASL and, you know, overcome that fear of not getting it right or saying the wrong thing or, you know, that kind of thing. And so that's been a, a, an exciting challenge throughout our whole organization. That is awesome. Is that awesome? I, um, I was introduced to this in Washington, D.C. when this display was over there and um, the Bible Museum, and we were introduced to the gentleman that they hired. I mean, they're so serious, they built a building just for this part of their ministry and have hired so much staff. And what I love about Jeff, and, and I said this first service, and the, the truth is we're not getting any younger, right? And the realization, like when I talked to him and he said that he's taking this on, I'm like, that is amazing. 
you know, it's, it's a little tougher to learn things the older we get, right? It's just trying to hold on to the things that we, we already learned, you know, is a challenge. So I, I just, I love this guy and his heart to um, step into uh, faith over fear. Amen. And I love what Bible translators are doing um, for the whole deaf community. And there was a whole education on that that hopefully we'll see and hear more about that. Amen. And, you know, ironically, right here um, in our own congregation, the last three weeks, we've had some wonderful special guests that are here. And Jill, one of our members, is, is interpreting right here before our eyes. And so, welcome. And we love that. And God's working. God's working. Uh, Jeff, so to transition, what, what's all this 68 feet worth of stuff in front of us? I know Pastor John shared with us, but um, can you go into greater depth with that? Uh, so what you see in the room here is part of what we call the Bible translation display. You guys saw some of that as you were coming in. In here uh, represents the about 113 uh, language project translations that we're uh, working on within Pioneer Bible Translators. And, and as you mentioned, you know, down in the far side down there are uh, some full Bibles that have been completed, including uh, the Crimean Tatar that... This congregation has been intimately involved with over the years, so thank you for that. And then as you move down the line, you'll see some finished New Testaments, and then as you get in here, you see uh, portions. These are translations that are underway, but the the full New Testament or the full Bible hasn't uh, been completed. And then down here, you'll see empty ones, but you'll see uh, some photos and the names of the languages there. Those are projects that we've started, uh, but no, nothing's been translated just yet. So people are starting to learn the languages. And then as you leave again, you'll see uh, a big square out there, and that's about 180 uh, languages that we are committed to starting. Nothing's happened in those languages yet. And there's almost 1,800 languages in the world that still look just like those out there not a verse has been translated. And so we have prayer cards we would love to have you pick up that say, pray for the last Bible translations. And then if you want to help out financially, there's a card that talks about how you can make that happen as well. Is that exciting? So there's uh, 11 organizations that have come together. They've identified 1,800 languages. And instead of doing their own thing, they've split them up strategically so that by 2035, hopefully all of them will have been started and there's a desire for 2050 to be complete. But here's the reality. You and I, we, we probably have many of these hanging around in our, in our office, in our homes, in our cars. But literally, you know, only four have the complete Bible and then some only have the book of known, uh, Jonah, the book of uh, the Gospel of Luke, right? So how awesome for men and women like these that Jeff represents. And uh, Rich and his wife, Joe are here also. And um, so encourage them, pray for them, and, and financially support them if you can. Amen? Um, that's, there's a lot to share on this. We can go another hour. But um, Jeff, thank you so much for coming out from Pennsylvania. And uh, we're going to pray as we close. But please remember, faith over fear right? Faith over fear. And Barack, go look at his life. You know, yeah, he was a little scared, but he finally said yes, and God blessed him, and he made it into the hall of faith. Father,
Not that our desire is to be in the hall of faith, but our desire is to love you the best way we can. And loving you means to trust you, to have faith in you, faith over fear. I pray that for our lives. I pray it for all of our missionaries' lives. And God, we pray that all these translations and then the deaf languages would happen sooner than later. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day.